What's up, everyone? Welcome out to this special episode of the Game Time Guru podcast. On this episode, you get to hear from the man who kind of gave me the, the love of sports. You know, I've talked about it many times in different episodes on social media, how I became a Cowboys fan, you know, when I made my first basket when I was five years old at my grandmother's house, all these different things, the, the games I've traveled to, Sunday text message threads with this individual, all the goods. It's coming up today on the Game Time Guru. So tune in and buckle up. Again, this is the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Uh, actually sharing this over to my main page while we're live streaming this. Uh, first time I've done this in a while, like actually just doing an intro and everything. So I'm going to share this onto my main page. Bring it on. Will Elmer, who happens to be my uncle. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the one who gave me my start in sports. And we're going to be talking to him about like our background. We're going to talk about his background. And we're going to talk about what he does as a personal trainer over at the Fitness Garage and get to know more about what the Fitness Garage is all about. So, Will, I appreciate you actually joining me. Uh, it's been a long time coming. So thanks for letting me have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shane. Yeah, I'm super excited. So, like I said in the intro, I mean... Will, you're the one who kind of gave me the introduction to sports. People ask me all the time, like, hey, did your parents play? Like, my mom always loved the Cowboys. It was kind of like a, a family team. So I always say I was ble bleeding blue and silver in the womb. Dad's a 49ers slash Raiders fan, but never was really, like, too into it. He cheers for him and stuff. But, like, the one who was, like, a diehard was you. Um, you put me through the misery of being a Cowboys fan for my entire life. Um, so, first off, I got a lot of Cowboys listeners here, like Cowboys fans uh, who listen to the show, I want to have you give us a little background to your days because you got to experience the Cowboys in the glory days, whereas I've only seen one Super Bowl when I was seven years old, and since then it's been nothing but pain every single week, <laughs> um, the cold sweats every single week. Tell me a little bit more about how you became a Cowboys fan and your background there. Well, uh, again, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, pretty cool. Anyway, um, yeah, as far as like – my Cowboys fandom, that was a tribute to your, um, your other uncle, my older brother, uh, Dan, he, I just kind of, it was just kind of expected to, that you became a Cowboys fan in the seventies. I was born in 75 and, you know, I just grew up around him watching the games and, um, when, in you know, early life, and then he moved off into the military when I was like five, but it was already ingrained in my head that I, I just saw that star and I was just enamored by it. And I saw Tom Landry with his hat and his fedora on the sideline and he had Tony Dorsett and uh, you know, I, I got a little taste of Roger Staubach when uh, I was real little, but I don't uh, have as many memories of him. It was more like the early eighties. You had like the, you know, when the 49ers came to prominence with Joe Montana and the catch with Dwight Clark, you know, uh, Cowboys went to like three straight championship games when I was a little kid. And I remember your, grandma my mom telling me to you know why are you crying it's just a football game and i was watching it was the it was the 49ers championship game um the infamous catch play that uh, started the 49ers dynasty basically in the early 80s um but it's like i just grew an emotional attachment to it tony dorsett was my favorite running back uh when i was a little kid and uh my brother sent me uh from Mannheim, germany uh, for Christmas one year, I got a Tony Dorsett jersey. That was my first jersey. It was not like a real jersey. It was kind of like a T-shirt, but it had the had the letters or the his name and the numbers on it. And so I was super proud to have that. Um, and then growing up, I just got a lot of crap going through school because um, the Cowboys weren't very good in the 80s. So I had to kind of, you know, take it where I, you know, people would give me crap for that. And then lo and behold, my junior and senior year of high school, I got to experience back-to-back -back Super Bowl championships, and I was it was the ultimate in-your-face. All the times I taken crap for being a Cowboys fan, um, the triplets, uh, Troy Aikman, uh, Emma Smith, and Michael Irvin, and you had Jay Novacek on those teams, and then the defense was amazing. You had Charles Haley and Russell Maryland, and 
uh, Tony Tolbert and and Norton Jr. I mean, you had all those great uh, players uh, on that team. And then a little bit later, you added the Deion Sanders a couple of years later, obviously to the to the defense. And so just being able to experience that and then, you know, that just really cemented my love for them, obviously. Um, but it's football's always been like, you know, it's been that bonding uh, that you and I have shared. Obviously, you kind of you were a part of when you were little, the Cowboys were really great in those early 90s, 90s uh, times there. And that kind of, that's where kind of cemented that. Obviously when you're little, that's like me, because the Cowboys were great in the late seventies, even though I was too young to really experience like Super Bowl 12 and stuff like that. Um, that's where it kind of just started. And then I've just been cursed with it ever since, but you know, I just love football in general, obviously being able to, to uh, just the love of the game. There's something about, football that just really, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just a, you're able to just go somewhere else for that three, four hours on a, on a Sunday or a Saturday and, and uh, just be able to enjoy that. And, you know, something mystical about the Cowboys, the mystique, the star, you know, America's team, all that stuff. And then, and then the more people, you know, kind of hate on you for it, the more you kind of, you know, don't talk about my team that way type of thing. <laughs> it's like, I can talk trash about my family all I want, but if you talk about my family, no, it's not happening. So. Dude, I, I uh, oh man, as you're talking, I actually am going down memory lane in my head. So my early, it's, so for those listening, you're probably like thinking, if you've heard me talk before, you're like, holy crap, sounds like Shane. Cause I literally like have said like, this is the three hours that you get it. It doesn't matter your political affiliation. It doesn't matter who you're voting for. It doesn't matter your religion. It doesn't your job, your income, whatever. When you go to a sporting event or you're just watching a sporting event for those three hours or whatever it may be, you're kind of there for one common goal, one common purpose. Everybody's like, typically speaking, if they're on your team, they're fans of your team, you're all friends for a minute most of the time. And then, <laughs> that's just how it is. You're there to cheer your team on. And that's why I love it. It kind of gets you away from it. Um, football is amazing. So my first memory of the Cowboys was when I but I was too young to even know what was going on. I was actually at my own uh, house in Boise. Mom was watching it while she was um, – yeah, ironing the clothes and all I remember her is cheering for Emmett Smith and I didn't really know much about it as the years went by because uh, I was five years old at that time seven years old with Super Bowl 30 we watched it at grandma's house uh, the family was over there and I don't know how you did this but like because now as I've gotten older like our other uncle Levi is a Steelers fan you're obviously diehard Cowboys fan we're all over there watching his family if I was in your position now that I look back at it I would never have watched that game with my family. Like I would never been able to do that. I would have gone to my friend's house or I would have gone by myself or something. I, I can't watch it with an opposing <laughs> fan. But I, I do remember like this is my memory is very like it's specific. And so I do remember you were standing behind grandma's recliner and there was a there was a time in that game where it actually got pretty intense in Super Bowl yeah. thirty because it was like the Cowboys should have won it, but they were like allowing him to come back. Oh yeah. I wanted to say there was an onside kick of yep. some sort. There was an onside kick the second half. And it was just kind of like you could see yeah. momentum, so your stress levels were going. But there was a an interception uh, thrown yeah. that um, you probably Neil O'Donnell. Neil O'Donnell, quarterback. <laughs> Who was Larry that? Brown? Larry Brown, yeah. Downtown Jake Larry Sanders. Brown. And I remember you screaming when he picked it off and jumping up and down. I'm great, and I was trying to figure out, like, still understand the concepts of football. I knew the game, but I wasn't as a, a huge fan. But like, I remember, like, that was a memory I have from the Cowboys with you. And so it's funny to see now I'm 32. We're talking 25 years. The dynamic we, t we talk every Sunday. It's crazy. But I just remember, cause that's me now that I'm, yeah. old, that's me screaming, jumping up and down, but I would never Super Bowl with anybody that was a <laughs> fan. I never would have, there's no way I, I would have ended up like we wouldn't have had a family relationship. I, so how did you do it? Like, well, that was mostly a testament to Levi. Levi wasn't, you know, you know, Levi, he's a good guy. And he's like, I mean, he likes the he likes the Steelers a lot, but he, it's not the same level. It's like he it's like he it's like when you notice somebody's that much more crazy about a team, you're like, uh, I probably shouldn't overreact to things that are going well for my team in front of this person, especially an unhinged 17 or how old was I? 19, 20. At the time, I was 20 years old. I was 20. Oh my gosh, it's been 25 years since uh, Dallas has been in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Blows my mind. I took it for granted. They were in those. Uh, they won three out of four. That was the third out of the fourth time. And they probably, honest to goodness, they probably, if the 49ers would have beaten the Packers in the divisional playoffs, uh, they should, the 49ers were the, still the better team. Cowboys got the Packers and the Packers weren't quite, quite ready yet. The Packers went to the Super Bowl the next year with Brett Favre and, uh, 
and and beat the Patriots in that one. Um, but Dallas kind of lucked out that they didn't because they did not match up well with that 49ers team of 90, of that 94, 95, uh, those two years there. And uh, so that was crazy. But anyway, going back to that game. But, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, like watching a game with an opposing fan, especially one with that kind of high stakes, obviously, was kind of crazy. But but, yeah, you know, Levi was never even when the Steelers were doing well, he he got in, did a few yeahs here and there, but he wasn't like, you know, <laughs> crazy about it. But that game was intense. It was pretty, pretty nuts. If uh, Neil O'Donnell wouldn't have, you know, went haywire. Because if you go back, I don't know if you've ever actually watched the game now that you're older. It's fun to watch, go, go back and watch old games now just to get a different perspective. I, during quarantine, when I first hit, I was spending so much time on YouTube watching vintage Cowboys, like way back. And I love it, even with the commercials, like you'd see the old school beer commercials and car commercials. And it was just funny to watch those uh, just for nostalgia purposes. But watching uh, if you go back and watch that game, Neil O'Donnell straight up, it's like almost like, you know, people would joke that he was uh, paid to throw that game because he literally threw it straight to Larry Brown. No one was there. It's like miscommunication with his receiver or something. But he did it twice, not once, twice. He threw two picks and that sealed the deal. Uh, in that game so but yeah it was uh that was a tense Super Bowl and that was Bill Cower and like he was still kind of the young up-and-comer coach and um uh, and they the Steelers played their butt off in that game and it was it was pretty close until the end there but yeah those are the I get what you're saying like remembering those moments like um that's when I was a little kid my older brother Danny would throw fits when Dallas you know would you know not do well he'd punch a hole in the wall or do something crazy where mom would just lose it because he was just throwing a tantrum as I've matured. And now you have kids of your own, you have to learn to kind of bottle a little bit of that emotion because we both still kind of get upset when we're watching games, uh, obviously, but it's learning how to take it more in stride. And, and that kind of comes with maturity a little bit. I like to think that most people that, you know, that do mature a little bit can handle the adversity of watching a, a poor football game here and then keep things in perspective, not let, let it uh, ruin your life. <laughs> Dude, that's, the thing. that's the thing is like now, as I've gotten older, part of that for me is like actually watching the games with you or at least texting the last couple of years. It's just because of schedules and stuff has been hard. But like, I mean, we, for a long time, I mean, it was every Sunday. We always would watch the games. It's watching the games together. I, I don't, talk to my friends during the games like i would just chill with you and like it would bring happiness to my soul during the worst moments dude like there were times where i'd just be crying laughing because I mean, we're supposed to we're gonna lose and normally i'd be like furious the, the walk of shame out the front door at your house every week like because we came back gave us hope always you get the cold sweats walk out like but you, you, I know. you get so mad and it's like it, it would make me it was mad that was controlled around me. And that's what I loved about it is yeah. like we could do it around our, it was our time to get frustrated, but then once it was done, it was done. And I would just laugh, dude. And now it's like text messages. You can just send me a text and we're good. Like <laughs> frustration. Yeah. What's funny is the conversations are still the same as they were 10 years ago for us as Cowboys yeah. fans. Every week, it seems like the same exact conversation, no defense, really good offense. You actually compared it. I shared it on uh, Twitter. Your comment of, uh, the Russell Westbrook of the NFL, and everybody thought that was a perfect comparison. The Russell yeah. Westbrook of the NFL. Yeah. You're throwing up mad stats and getting all these crazy numbers, but there's nothing. What you, you're, you're losing a close game after you've had to scratch and claw back to get back there. But, yeah, it's funny because that's – honestly, goodness, though, Shane, that's what's you've always – I've always called you my sports buddy when I describe you to my, uh, my clients or my friends or whomever because you and I have that uh, – it's kind of that unique bond that – keeps us together after all these years that, that I don't share with anybody else from that standpoint of like that sports fandom. We know each other's pain because we, we invest so heavily into a team that we really love and um, have kind of the same, you know, not quite the same level. For, I don't know about you. I can't speak for that, but like being a Boise State fan too, obviously it hurts, but there's something about the Cowboys that are, it's like, that's where it's like, that's the ultimate there. I would, you know what I mean? It's like that's where the pain is really shared um, at that level because we just know what it's like to go through that. And we and I don't want to sound like a miserable fan because they're like we joke about that. I say, hey, dude, it could be worse. Like you could have grown up being a Jets fan or something where you never really got to experience. I mean, maybe or a Cleveland Brown fan or something, but um, which I joke about, but they handed it to us this this last uh, couple weeks ago. Um, so that's that's where you know that's where i always felt like we've had that bond and it's been cool and we could be you know, like an off season we'll maybe talk to each other a little bit here and there but and then we'll start right back up and in the fall and here we go again and you know highs and lows 
but we've had it's fun and it's really great and being able to experience the the being able to go to my first and only game that I've ever been to for a Cowboys game that was a great experience to share with you too I don't know if you wanted to talk about that Let's chat about some memories on that too, because like, so for the listeners out there, Will and I have had some awesome memories. I just, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, like I made my first basket shooting hoops. I still have the rim at my grandmother's house, uh, shooting it with uncle Will outside. Like I used to play basketball out there. He'd allow me to come out there and play with him, even though I was just a little kid trying to like learn how to shoot a basket. He shot, he showed me how to shoot a granny style. It went around the rim, went in, uh, when we were, you know, you ended up, you actually, it was right before that I wanted to say you actually had to change the rim because that rim had like, you had like two rims on there. One of them yeah. broke and then you ended up changing it. So when we ended up getting rid of the other rim, I asked them not to let that one go because I wanted that rim. And so I still have that rim. It's cool. Uh, I just remember all the all the memories of playing ball. We've, we've gone to like, for example, Boise State basketball games. I used to go to Boise State basketball games with Will. Like I'm talking Wednesday nights. I was in third grade. We'd go to the games. Jerry Washington, Roberto Bergeson are out there. Um, it was like the glory days, Kiwan Woods, those types of days. Like, I mean, we went to the Fiesta, not the Fiesta, oh, goodness gracious, the, the Humanitarian Bowl against Louisville. Then the same exact night, we go back to the, to the school and watch Boise State get throttled by Kenyon Martin in Cincinnati for the basketball team. And It was much warmer, though. It was much warmer to go back and watch that. <laughs> yes, it was. And <laughs> it was great watching the 30-point slunking. So it was uh, – at least we're comfortable doing it. Like all these things, like Will Will took me to Portland. Um, there was there's here's a story for you. Um, let's let's rewind here. Uh, I'm in the fifth grade at this point. Okay, fifth grade. You guys um, had talked about potentially going to a Jazz Blazers game, but I didn't think that was going to happen. And back then, I was like, oh, that, that's really cool. It'd be so awesome. But I thought like back then, I was like, this is like astronomical to go to a game, and like there's just too many hoops to crawl through. All of a sudden, I'm at school. It's one of my favorite memories of all time. My teacher tells me that my mom is on the phone, and I was super shy back then, so I was like, huh? And so I walked back there, and my teacher's teaching the class, and I'm like, hello? <laughs> hey, Jones, Great. Will's coming to pick you up, and I was <laughs> super confused. I was supposed to go to the YMCA What's that day. <laughs> I was supposed to go to the YMCA that day to go swim with my friends after from the Y, and she goes, no, he's taking you to the game. I was like, he got tickets? And she's like, yeah. So I was like, oh, my gosh. And so, anyways, you came and picked me up from school, fifth grade. We drove down, watched the Jazz Blazers game, and then drove back the exact same night, which was one of the funniest nights of my life <laughs> I can remember. But it was just one of those cool things that you did when I was in fifth grade. Like, yeah. you took me in the, as a fifth grader. I still remember it to this day, one of my favorite memories of all time. That That's same awesome. year, you actually took me to Phantom Menace opening day from school as well. It's like, not too much longer after that as well. Like, everyone yeah. – Shane out like from school to go to these fun things. Anyways, that was one of my favorite memories. We've gone to Portland. Like I got to fly to Portland with you in the sixth grade to go watch the Jazz play the Blazers there, which was really cool. It was my first time there. I've only been there once since then, I believe, for for a Jazz Blazers game as well. Just kind of cool to see it, and and it was always like the fun because I was a Jazz fan, he's a Blazers fan, so it was kind of fun to have a little little bickering back and forth. Plus, back then it was actually a legitimate rivalry with yeah. a lot of stuff going on, dude. I mean, dude. Like Brian Grant, Malone, yeah. elbows left and right. I mean, it was just <laughs> it was fun, dude. I I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, we weren't we at the game in Portland? Didn't Rashid get tossed? Do you remember if that? Yeah, was, he did because then they because that was when I don't know if you remember Jermaine O'Neal. Obviously, yeah. he ended up having a long career, but we, he started with the Blazers and he didn't really get a lot of playing time. He ended up playing a lot more in that game because uh, Rashid got tossed out. Good. And uh, yeah, so it was, he had like his high, career high at that point. He had like 15 points or something, but yeah, it was crazy. Oh man. I, I remember a Boise state football games. This is, this will take people back third grade. I'm in a Boise state football game. We're sitting in the front row of a Boise state, Utah state football game. The stands are barely packed. Oh yeah. It's kind of like similar to today at halftime. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> back then we are getting rocked by, Utah. Yeah. they were down by like 30 plus. And yeah. I'm like, man, and I just remember like being at that game with you. I also went to a Nevada game, the one where they were just throwing bombs, yes, like back and forth. Just, yeah. <laughs> they're just like every time Boy State got on the field, their defense couldn't stop a Hail Mary to stay there. Like, it was just a <laughs> go route, touchdown. Like we were there. Like you would take me to those games during the the crap days, and then it makes you appreciate the good days. That's why I was like crazy. I got home from my mission. All of a sudden, we're a top ten team and right. for for you know almost a potential national championship spot for a minute like all these things I, cool. I'm, I'm telling you guys like will and i have these memories that kind of have built up over time when i got punished when i was little like there was one time 
you were going to a Boise State. I wanted to say it was a Fresno State basketball game, and I don't even think they – were they in the same conference? They may have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were. But mom, it was in a weekday, and I didn't know, but I had gotten in trouble for something that had happened, and I didn't get to go to the game, and I didn't know this until afterwards, but she told me, you didn't get to go to the game because Will actually asked if you could go, and I told him no. And I was like, oh, I was so pissed. <laughs> like My mom would punish me by not allowing me to go to games with you. So yeah. that was the way I got to have my discipline. I was a different type of kid. I didn't care if you yeah. spanked me. I didn't care if you grounded me, whatever. Take, Take my sports away. It. <laughs> you take my sports away and go with Will. Like I get <laughs> lividly. So, anyways, let's go to the Cowboys game, 2014. We finally get to go to a Cowboys game, and I remember you you had contacted me. We were originally going to go to the Niners game that year. Right. Think about it potentially, but then you know the pricing and it was just too short notice to like make it make sense financially for both of us. Yeah, and we're like, you know what? Let's just let's set it out a little bit later. Yeah, so we went to the Cardinals game. Yes, dude. What was it like for you going through? Because we got to, to to tour Jerry's World. What was your memories of Jerry's World's like tour that we went on in 2014? I just remember when we drove up on the stadium because we were staying in. I think we were staying in uh, Arlington or wherever, just outside of uh, where the stadium's at. And driving up on uh, just seeing it in person was like, oh my gosh! It was just like. I felt like a little kid going to Disneyland for the first time type thing. And just like, cause I'd never really experienced, I wasn't a Disneyland kid, but that was like my, my Disneyland moment. And I was instantly transported back to being a little boy, being able to go in there and seeing the big statue of Tom Landry out front and then going through like the, you know, just going through the gift shop and seeing all the stuff in there and just, and then once we got into, it was almost like a, not to be blasphemous, but it was like a it was like a it was like a spiritual experience to me. It was like seeing all these ghosts of like all the players past, and just seeing like you know all the the huge pictures and murals and stuff of like uh, past players, Emmett Smith, and seeing uh, Jimmy Johnson and and uh, all the other great players. Uh, Ed Tutal Jones, I think he was actually there. I do regret that was one of my main regrets of that trip is that we didn't stick around to get an autograph signing from him because. He was one of my favorite players when I was a kid too, right up there with Tony Orsett. But, but just being in that building and just, it just was like, it was like a humbling experience and being able to go in the locker rooms and just, just taking in as much of it as I could. And even in retrospect, it's like, gosh, I wish I would have even done more, but um, just being able to, to take it in and having, having that in-person experience. It reminded me of, uh, if you remember Rudy, you remember Rudy, the movie Rudy, um, of course. Yeah. Everybody knows Rudy, right? So it's like when Rudy gets his dad to finally come to a game or whatever. And it's like, you know, these eyes I've never seen such so something so beautiful or whatever. Being able to be in there and just take it all in and be around all the other the fans and uh, going on the tour and just seeing how just, just, uh, just a crazy experience and be able to experience it with you was just great. And, you know, cause we're, we had that, you know, we have that, uh, that bond, that kinship with the Cowboys. And so just being able to experience that with you was just a great time and, uh, being able to see all that stuff on the tours and then going to, the, to actually go through the game. The game was almost like not even, I mean, that was not even nearly part of the highlight of it, obviously. And it was actually, we were joking about our luck with the, with that particular game that year, because Dallas was doing great. They're killing it. Tony Romo's having a great season. And lo and behold, the week before, he breaks his transverse process in his back. He gets <laughs> gets a broken bone in his back. I think it was the Redskins they were playing, the Washington football team now. Uh, and uh, I was like, oh, no. And so we had to experience Brandon Whedon. Oh, my goodness. Brandon freaking Whedon. And uh, so that was – the game was kind of like – obviously, they, and they ended up losing the game. But we got to see – you know, we got to saw Larry Fitzgerald and got to see uh, Whitten and – all the other guy, you know, it was great to Marco Murray at the time. And, uh, I mean, it was, you know, it was just a great experience and I'll never forget it. Obviously it was awesome. And, uh, being able to see just even like when we were walking, we parked at like a Sonic, we had to pay like 30 bucks to park at a Sonic, like five miles away. We ended up walking like forever. It was crazy. But then walking through all the tailgates and just seeing all the signs and just, the, it was just great, you know? So that was a great experience sharing that with you just the whole time, having a great time on the, on the flight and staying at the hotel and eating like uh, complete pigs. Uh, we, I experienced my first, I experienced my first uh, Tex-Mex place there and that was great food and 
So our first In-N-Out burger too. I never had In-N-Out because they had In-N-Out. Was when we first got there, because we were both hungry, we were like, oh God, we were so sick. Uh, man, I think I gained 10 pounds during that trip. So, but anyways, it was, it was, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but it, it was just one of the best experiences ever. Just had a great time with that. So you've got to experience more of the football trips and like being able to go to those college venues and like the horseshoe and, and uh, the Virginia tech game and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Georgia, I think you went to that one too, didn't you? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so like, <clears throat> but for me, that was like the ultimate cause I'd never been to a, a huge uh, football venue. So that was awesome. Yeah, like, I've told people this before too. Um, like I've been to some big college games, and like we were at the the Georgia Dome before they blew it up, and um, that was where the the Georgia game was. And obviously Virginia Tech was awesome. Fiesta Bowl has been sweet. Been to a couple of those ones. The shoe was awesome. The thing is, though, that was my first NFL game experience, and that's a whole different realm. It's a whole different field. You can go and tour the stadium and stuff, but if you haven't been to an NFL game, especially at, at Cowboy Stadium, if you're a Cowboys fan, I highly recommend doing it. Um, it is a really cool experience. And granted, we did have to see Brandon Whedon. Oh, my gosh, the luck. But it was a good game until probably midway through the third quarter, beginning of the fourth. I mean, it was, like, super good. But we got to watch a blocked field goal. Uh, yeah. Taken back. Like, all sorts of stuff that was just like, how in the frick, dude? Of course, we come here to this game, and this is what happens. But anyways, I mean, it was, it was a cool, a really cool experience. We had really good seats. I look at those seats now. Yeah, we paid a pretty good price for those compared right. to where they are now. Like we got a discount, like like is those yeah. three four times the price right now? Sure, for tickets like that. So, I mean, I had a blast with that. So we, so Will and I have had so many sports memories, and the stuff you're talking about, the Sonic, the food. I remember eating the wings at that sports bar that night. That was the night that what's his face <laughs> broke right. his leg on Ole Miss. Do you remember? I think it was Treadwell. yes, yes, Treadwell. Yeah, watching him at that exact moment when he got tackled right at the goal line and yeah. fumble. And we're sitting there, and I was just pounding wings. I'm like, oh. Dude, they were playing. They were playing Alabama, right? It was like a yeah. It was a big. Game. Was it Alabama? Yeah. Someone. I can't remember who it was, but it was it was a big game. And then he breaks his leg, and we're just watching it, and like we're like, oh my gosh, how unfortunate that he fumbled right at the goal line. It's not going to count as a touchdown. Either. So like, you at least get the leg just, for a snap leg. Yeah, that's rough. Dude, yeah. and we're sitting there in the hotel room trying to burp, and we couldn't even burp because we're so sick. Or like, dude, like just eating. Those are the memories that sports yeah. bring. It's not just the games themselves. That's what I'm talking to everybody here. Will and I could go for days talking about sports memories. Like, I could seriously like pinpoint them. I have a memory like that, my photographic memory that just these things because that's how my memory works. It brings me like joy and sometimes sadness because I get pissed thinking about certain things. But man, I just like watching the the, the catch which we didn't get to watch right. the power went out at the yes. house. Like that's a story that people don't really know, but the power went out at the house. So we're oh. like trying to figure out how we're going to get a hold of it. So we're like trying to find radio broadcasts on our phones. And yeah. we finally, we did, but we didn't actually get to see the catch. That was the non-catch against the Packers yeah. live. We had to watch yeah. the replay, but we heard Brad Sham calling the play-by-play on the Cowboys network. And he was screaming his head off. He caught it. He caught it. He caught it. And then they're, they're now they're reviewing it, and I'm like, "What's going on?" And we finally got the TV back up right as they're doing the instant replay, and it was like, "Oh no, that was crazy!" Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. But those are funny memories. Now I laugh about. It. I was furious. Sure. Time, but. Yeah. So we talk about all the memories, but the thing is, we also got to talk about like what you're doing too, Will. So Will, outside of being a sports fan, just like me, outside of being a podcaster, like I have a full time job. Will has his passion and his drive. He helps as a personal trainer. He helps people with their their fitness journey, their overall health and well-being. Um, and he's been doing it for years um, at this point. He's an expert in this field. And that's why I wanted to bring you on, really, because, you know, we can talk sports. And one thing is, is we we see a lot of sports, especially this year. There was a lack of um, organized team activities, OTAs, what they call them. Training camps were shortened, no preseasons for football. And I kind of want to get your insight on this as well. We saw a lot of injuries, especially the first two weeks. And a lot of those injuries were like, pretty big injuries. We're talking torn ACLs, like season ending injuries, if you will. The whole 49ers team basically went down, like half of them. Uh, Cowboys, offensive line, all hurt. Everyone's going down. People are getting hurt. Will, do you feel like that has anything to do with their 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 lack of preparation in a sense that was like forced to be a lack of preparation? In the field that you've been in, do you feel that that was necessary for them to have an offseason? And can they still get the same workouts at home that they could do with the teams in their facilities? Well, you know, first of all, let me preface this with I'm, you know, I'm not an athletic trainer from the standpoint of like dealing with, you know, that I've trained athletes and people that have, um, you know, gone into athletic competition or in the midst of like, you know, hockey players and stuff like that. But from the uh, 
standpoint of knowing how the body works with being able to do a reaction and especially in when you're talking like the NFL or call it even, you know, division one football, um, just the, the speed at which things happen with just these phenomenal specimens of, you know, athletes out there, just insanely fast, insanely strong. Um, you see a lot of soft tissue injury, obviously the things that, you know, they're very common, you know, you get your normal hamstring pulls and things like that. When people are, you know, they, there's always been this big discussion about how much preseason is too much. And, you know, is it opening up for more injuries? But I honestly think it's, you know, it's six of one half dozen of another when it comes to where you put, if you're, if you have less preseason games, then there's going to be more opportunity for injury when you start the season too, because, you know, just not just, not even just contact injuries, just non-contact. You see people, you know, just planting and tearing a, tearing an ACL or, you know, pulling a hamstring or blowing out an Achilles. And so like just knowing when your body doesn't have that opportunity to have that off season for conditioning and, and taking enough time to get actual game speed um, with those players out there, um, you're, it's just going to happen. I mean, this is, it's common sense. Obviously you're not able to mimic exactly what's going to happen where you're in a competitive level of football. You can do, you can practice all you want. You can do individual drills all you want, but until you have somebody bearing down on you, you know, a 300 pound uh, defensive tackle that can run a, you know, a four, six forty, uh, you know, it's, you can't mimic those types of things. And so that's, you know, you're always going to see a rash of those types of injuries, especially when you have um, a limited off season. I mean, that just speaks to not being able to have that, those extra games. I think not having the preseason really uh, led to a lot of that. Now I do think that, you know, there may be three preseason season games is plenty. Um, they go back and forth on like how to, if they want to expand the regular season, which is, you know, if you end up doing that, add two games to the regular season, whatever, I think you, but you do need to take some away from the preseason to allow, you know, cause especially football is just such a gladiator sport. The older I get, the more I realize like experiencing my own aches and pains. I'm, I'm, 44 about to be 45 here um like you know my knee i've uh i've never really experienced like joint problems necessarily but i ended up having a mri on my knee i you know got you know cartilage loss and torn meniscus and you know as the wear and tear on the on the body and especially a sport like football where there's so just so much contact and collisions and you know um it's just brutal and you you like if you watch like the red zone channel it's like it's just <laughs> they switch from uh, game to game. It's like almost every time it's like it's interrupted because somebody's on the sideline or somebody's taken out almost every game. You're going to see at least a half dozen injuries to people. And in the, in the severity varies, obviously, being a Cowboys fan. We watched Dak uh, go through that horrible dislocation and compound uh, fracture injury with his ankle. Um, I mean, it's just a gladiator sport. It's a blood sport. I mean. And knowing, learning more about CTE and the, and the brain trauma uh, kind of obviously adds another level to that as well. And so, but it's almost like now that people are at least, at least you're allowing people to know the risk before they, you know, they partake in the sport. And I think that's, you know, it's obviously as a, it's part of our, you know, freedoms as our human right to make, make decisions, but at least we're making informed, more informed decisions. Um, it's, it's cool to see that how the, at least they're trying to work with, you know, different technologies and, and science to help with um, limiting as much of the brain traumas and stuff like that as, as they used to in the past. And, you know, just football in, in general is just, you know, it's just a, a war of attrition. Uh, just trying to get through, get through a game without, you know, multiple injuries is a, is a feat in, in a, of itself. And so, um, yeah, definitely not having that off season has, has caused a lot of, of I think that's been attributing to a lot of the injuries. You know, it's interesting. You you brought up the fact that it's a gladiator sport. Um, I talked to David Irving, who used to play for the Cowboys. Um, and so last year I got to have an interview with him, just talking to him about his football career. It's, you know, he's now a, a cannabis, um, what do you say, advocate, if you will, uh, talking about the, the benefits of it and how he felt it uh, benefited him. And then he was kicked out because he couldn't, you know, he, he chose not to, to, to stop taking it. So I, We'll give that to him. Like he, he just chose. It's not like he couldn't do it. He just he chose it. He, sure. he was benefiting his body. Um, and he was talking to us about it. And one of the things he mentioned was that he mentioned the word gladiator. And he was talking about 
how every single game it he would lay on the floor in the locker room for hours because as a lineman, especially especially for him, he was an undersized lineman. He was tall, but he was skinny. And so he's getting clashed with like 350, 400 pound linemen in the head every single play. He's got broken fingers. His hand's still broken that he, he needs to fix, but it healed up in pro- like uh, improperly, if that's the right word. I don't know. Right. Um, so like everything's hurting. He's like, I got my fingers are all broken. Um, we've got some of them fixed. My hand's still broken. You know, he's like, my foot's hurt, had knee surgeries. My neck hurts all day long. Shoulders are always hurting. And he's talking about it like that's, I mean, it's a gladiator sport for real. I just remember when you say that, like it just brought back all the memories of talking to David Irving. Um, so let's talk about this too. So when I got home from my mission in 2010, um, I was trying to work a little bit more on my athleticism. And so you said you're not an athletic trainer, but you do have some things that, that can benefit uh, people like me who were, were like a younger guy. I was in my early 20s trying to get myself back. And uh, you would help me with a lot of the plyo stuff and my, my, wor- my warm-ups. Um, right. and you would talk to me, like we, we went through a lot of the warm up stuff. Um, uh, and, and I would like you to touch base on that and the importance of it, because I want to, I want to stress this to, especially even the younger guys, but going all the way up to anybody who's in their forties, fifties, sixties, doesn't matter. The warm up was so important. Can you touch base on what you were talking about and why that's important for people to understand the importance of warming up? Like what you call it? The active dynamic warm up? Is that what I, I right. Well, and that's derived from, um, not to take credit for that, obviously, um, the Parisi Speed School, which is a huge uh, school back east for athletic training, training, um, they've taken credit for tons of athletes, world-class athletes that have gotten into the NFL and Olympics and Olympic athletes and and whatnot. Um, being able to be a part of the uh, Gold's Gym and Axiom during the time of uh, getting introduced to that back in the day, because um, I'd always focus mostly on corrective exercise and injury prevention from the standpoint of just normal everyday uh, people but also getting, taking bits and pieces. So like, don't get it twisted. Obviously I, I've, you know, being 20 years in the industry, I've had a, a experience with athletes and whatnot. Um, just not specifically doing training for people that are actively participating in a professional level, that sort of thing. But knowing uh, how the body needs that, the whole encompassing aspect of flexibility and, and mobility with the joints. And one of the biggest things that people overlook, and it's gotten better over the years. I mean, the last being in the industry for as long as I have, and, and just prior to that working out, I, my first gym membership was the old Gold's Gym off of Maple Grove and, and Fairview. Um, now I think it's a church or it had been a church. And um, anyways, I mean, back then, you you know, everybody thought, you know, the stigma was like, oh, stretching is for, for girls and and, and stuff like that. But it's like, as we've, you know, evolved as a society when it comes to the fact that knowing from an athletic standpoint and from a physical fitness standpoint, all aspects of flexibility are important. Self-myofascial release, utilizing uh, massage techniques, either whether they be from manual manipulation from, you know, getting an occasional massage from a, like a reputable massage therapist, um, which I recommend to a lot of my clients that, that train um, just in between uh, doing strength training but doing things that you can do on your own as far as like using foam rollers. And, and uh, I teach people how to use, utilize those tools and breaking up your fascial tissue. The fascia is basically what holds our muscle in place. It's, it, it's interwoven within the, the fibers of the muscle. Um, it's a very important uh, to be able to address flexibility before your activity, not just afterwards where you're holding static stretches, dynamic stretching, um, active stretching, so basically, when I when I take my clients through uh, a routine, we we address the pre workout flexibility and the post work flexibility, post workout flexibility, foam rolling, doing some dynamic stretches, whether it be some calisthenic style like leg raises or you know doing like the world's greatest stretch, which I think I showed you, which was a it's a basically a walking lunge with choreography where you're <laughs> twisting and and basically just taking your body through full ranges of motion so that you're you're ready to attack whatever activity you're doing. So like if you're, whether you're just doing a, you know, your weekend warrior, you want to go play some, pick up basketball, or you want to do, you know, rec league soccer, indoor soccer, whatever. I deal with a lot of my clients that, you know, go from maybe like a desk job or especially now, obviously things have changed during uh, pre and uh, during pandemic um, with people being, you know, kind of couch potatoes and then going to do something athletic coming out of the, you know, coming out of their hibernation. If you, if you don't take that time to transition and especially the older you get, um, you know, your, your muscles become much less uh, pliable on your, your connective tissue, your, your ligaments and tendons. 
They don't get nearly the blood flow that your muscles do. And so spending that time to make your muscles more pliable. So you put less pressure in, in uh, trauma on your connective tissues, totally essential. And no matter what you're doing, whether you're just trying to work out to stay in shape or get in shape, or if you're trying to maintain a certain level of athletic ability uh, for anybody that likes to do, you know, participate in like a CrossFit or do, you know, maybe they like to do some marathons or do half marathons or whatever they do. It's important. Flexibility is a huge aspect of that. Corrective exercise is huge. Postural analysis. So I've always made it a point with my clients to address that as part of their fitness. Um, it's not just about losing, you know, yes, everybody wants to look good and feel good, uh, but you have to address that flexibility and your your postural alignment. So if we're not getting to the point where we're learning how to deactivate those overactive muscles or the over tense muscles and then lengthening those and then activating the, the weaker muscles when we address our, our fitness training, um, we're gonna continue to perpetuate an injury cycle that's gonna cause problems for you, whether it's compensatory movements where you like, like for sure, like with me, like I've had a nagging um, issue with, with my feet. I have kind of low arches, flat feet if you will, my left foot, I've always dealt with like plantar fasciitis and stuff like that. So I can almost guarantee you the issues I've dealt with with my right knee are attributed to favoring that side because of that. So, you know, Dr. Hill, myself, you know, <laughs> practice what you preach, address that with uh, what you're doing. So I, that's kind of a long winded answer, but I uh, basically like the importance of that pre-workout flexibility is always there. So like anybody that's trained with me or, or uh, knows that we always, we spend that time at the beginning of every workout we do our, we at least go through our, some of our dynamic stretches and get our bodies basically just movement preparation. And then, you know, I can guarantee you, if you, you introduce that to any routine you're doing, you're going to feel way better. Um, any activity that you do, like someone's going to go play some, like a basketball, Hey, bust out some, bust out some pre-workout stretches. Who cares if people think you look silly, you know, when you're sitting there doing your, your Jane Fonda workout before you go out there, but you know, it's all, it's all part of, you know, just understanding how your body works and knowing, you know, being in tune with it, knowing where you're tight. Uh, I like to make people aware of like areas that are uh, need to be addressed with them. So like being able to see it from the outside and watching them do movements, um, working out as a younger person. I thought I knew a lot just going through the gym and doing things. But when you actually experience it as from a perspective of watching biomechanics from a trainer perspective, watching people move the whole kin the kinesiology aspect of it, um, it changes your perspective and you understand why certain exercises aren't good for everybody or, you know, hey, I shouldn't do behind the neck pull downs because of, of the potential for sharing injury in the, in the rotator cuff. And so it's just those types of things. I think it's just knowledge is power. I like to, I like to teach people uh, to basically learn how to put their body in the best position to be successful for fit lifetime fitness that you're not just trying to lose weight, like in a, you know, a quick amount of time, you're also learning how to function properly because we're all, you know, we all get old. We all get to a point where, you know, Hey, wish I would have done things different when I was younger. So I don't have to have this knee replacement or hip replacement. Or even if I do have to have that joint replacement, I'm going to learn how to, you know, function with it and, and be uh, better for it. You know, yeah. I, I can tell you this too. Um, when I was, uh, when I first got home from my mission, I told you, like, I was doing some of the exercises you were showing me. I still do a lot of those to this day, especially you mentioned basketball. It's funny. I play, you know, three, three days a week in the early morning. I always warm up. Um, I, I work at a desk for my day job. And so I'm sitting down for six to eight hours per day, like it's at least. And so, and then I podcast. So I'm sitting here while I'm talking, you know, my, I'll, I'll tell anybody this, if you guys do these types of things, like I, I will used to say it. And I would be the one who was like, you know, as the young guy, I was always trying to listen, but I'm like, ah, yeah, but I want to go do this. I want to just start working out or I want to just go lift. I want to put, you know, on the squat rack and just go, you know, like just little things like that. And, uh, that ultimately doesn't work. Um, I, I'm so glad I actually listened to you back then because I'm starting to really see the importance of it. Now you mentioned a couple things like pull like Will used to tell me like doing behind the, the neck pull downs, like lat pull downs is very common exercise. A lot, you'll see a lot of people doing it at the gym, right? They're always doing it, but you kind of, you wouldn't necessarily say don't do that, but you'd caution me like, you know, here's why you might not want to do that all the time. Now, having gone through a torn labrum with six stitches put into it, a complete re like surgery that's actually retorn now because I retort in a basketball game. I have very limited mobility in there. I won't get surgery on, on it again because that was the worst thing in the world for me. I know exactly now because I'm like, when I've tried to do that, 
I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's twinging a little bit. I'm not doing that anymore. Like there's certain exercises that I can't do. So that's where your expertise comes in handy. And I'm grateful that I know you, but this is where we need to have everybody get to know you. So like, yeah. I, I know you, you've been sharing information. I try to take that information and, and implement it now. Like I'm like, yeah, dude, he knows what he's talking about. Like you, you once told me too, like just kind of like keeping an eye, like what I was doing, like overhead. Um, I don't even, I think it was incline presses and I was clicking the weights. It's just kind of like clicking the weights and you were explaining to me and let me share this memory. I hope people listen to this. So if, if you take this, whenever you listen to this, I'm going to cut this out and put it in a segment because like, I'm going to take this little piece. The incline press, Will once told me not to click the weights at the top, like because of the, it was like something to do with what it was like the pressure points it was putting on your joints and on your shoulder. I can't remember the exact thing that you were saying, but when you would click them, like when you would come up and click instead of just pressing straight up, well, what happened is you come up to the top of the rep and it would right. put additional stress on your joints. You're causing a, you're, you're basically closing the gap in your, where your humerus is in your rotator cuff. When you go out of, you're going out of line, you're drawing them together where it's no longer that force production is no longer going towards your pack. You're drawing in and it's putting pressure directly on your anterior deltoid. And then you're ultimately when the load gets to be too heavy for that smaller muscle, it's you're compressing the joint and you're causing impingement in the shoulder. So it's just trying to not put your body in those positions and, and understanding your scapular retraction, like your shoulder blades, like at all times, you're trying to keep that neutral shoulder posture while you're doing like presses. And so that's why I was always telling you like, obviously when you're a young man you know you're 18 19 20 years old you feel invincible you feel like you can lift that weight no matter what now you may be able to get that weight up strength wise but are you doing it proper properly are you using proper biomechanics or are you just throwing that weight up now there's there's a difference between like where someone's someone's doing a strength or a power movement with olympic style technique so that's basically a way to cheat but do it in a way that's safer than what you would do if you're just basically just trying to wing it kind of lift a heavy amount of weight where you lock out a joint or doing things like that. So there's differences between that kind of performance lifting versus from a power standpoint versus what 95% of people that are, you know, trying to work out are doing, they're trying to be in good shape and have general better strength and conditioning. So like understanding biomechanics, so like if I can push that weight up, it doesn't necessarily mean that I should just because I can, I would always tell you, Hey, let's cut that weight, you know, drop, 33% of that, or I'll drop it all the way down half of what you're lifting and do it with your shoulder blades retracted and learn how to just basic things like that when you're doing uh, a movement like a chest press. So it's one of the most commonly, uh, you know, misperformed type exercises uh, when you watch people um, doing certain things. And so as I, and the point is like trying to approach people, like you were saying, I don't like to sit there and, you know, it's not about being condescending or being, you know, trying to make somebody feel bad for the way they learned a technique. A lot of times they learn it from their dad or from a coach or from an older brother, or older sibling or something like that, or an older, older sister. Um, it's, it's trying to approach it from the standpoint of, Hey, let's look at it this way and make, try to make people understand why maybe you wouldn't want to do it that way. So I try to empower people that way with education uh, within that. And so like with my clients, they get that experience where I, I show them and I say, Hey, do you, I, I try to get them to demonstrate. So like when we do like a, well, I'll do an assessment typically when I start with a, a brand new person or I'll go back and reassess somebody that I've already kind of trained and see how much they retained at that point and see how they, they demonstrate those basic fundamental movements and see if they've, they've learned how to put their body in a, in a safer, safer position. Injury prevention is not just about, you know, Hey, am I flexible enough or am I doing the proper amount of weight? It's, te it's technique is huge. And it, you can do something super light. You bend over and pick up a pencil and throw your back out. It's just a matter of, putting your body in the right kind of position to, to perform movements. And especially when someone uh, of limited experience or background comes into the gym. So my passion has always been for those people that have been intimidated by the gym environment, or maybe didn't have that athletic background that come into a gym. Uh, maybe they're coming out of rehab from like a injury they had, a, you know, they went through physical therapy. Now they're trying to transition into uh, how do I get my body in, uh, into shape after post post injury um, or just, in general, just getting in better shape and not understanding how their body works or, or how the body mechanics are. So that body awareness, that muscle control, I always marvel at those amazing athletes. We talk about how it ties into sports. Like you look at somebody like a LeBron James, who's, you know, whatever he is, he's six, eight, 270 pounds and like, you know, four or 5% body fat and having, watching him be able to contort his body as he approaches the rim, you know, being able to jump with like a 40 inch vertical and contort his body 
having that kind of muscle control, I marvel at the ability of some of those those guys uh, that can do that. But on a smaller scale with a person that maybe you're not trying to be, you know, we're not an NBA star, but hell, I just want to be able to go play, you know, a little bit of you know, basketball, not, not hurt myself or, you know, just go do a basic lifting routine and put myself in a good spot and not have an injury. So teaching you how to put yourself in that, in that spot. And it's not that you're not going to get pushed hard and you're not going to go that way. I always tell people say, Hey, let's take a step back. Let's learn that technique, do it with a lighter amount of weight, then reapproach, go back to a different exercise, or maybe do something completely off the grid. Maybe if somebody's always trying to do a barbell bench press and they want to see that increase, I say, well, look, let's do this. Let's go get on a BOSU ball. Let's do something biometric or, you know, once they've, you know, you know, you meet them where they're at. So obviously there's going to be different levels of ability and different levels of, uh, you know, self-awareness with their, with their muscles. You have to meet that person where they're at, give them a routine based off of what their knowledge level is at that point, and then just build their uh, confidence from there. That's the most rewarding part of what I get to experience as a, as a trainer that way is to watch those people that have at one point had no confidence in their ability to do those things. And then, see him out there just owning it and having that confidence to do those things and, you know, being, being smart about it. like, and then that, that makes me feel good to know that you kept that. Um, Cause I remember at the time it was, it was like the struggle. Cause I knew your friends were doing certain things and I didn't want to sound like I was being, Oh no, I'm trying to shut you down. Cause I wanted you to still feel like, you know, obviously you're strong and I wanted you to feel good about it, but knowing where your injury history was, I mean, heck you started with an injury that went all the way back to, Optimus football. I mean, that's where it kind of started. And, you know, it's still lingering to this day. You're what 32 now. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, yeah, it's, you know, you know, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. The kids are not immune to uh, injury as well. So it's like teaching people to, you know, use, use proper technique is very empowering. And once you have that knowledge and, and you can, you know, pass that on to your, to your kids or whatever, that, that makes me feel good to know that you have that. And, uh, to be a part of that is, is, uh, you know, very rewarding. Well, that's well, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy because I was an idiot and I always joke about this. The way I tore my shoulder, I've always been apprehensive about doing shoulder presses and like incline presses because of what you had told me. I'm like, gosh, I even any, like, so when I'm doing really heavier weights, when I used to, I don't, I don't lift heavy anymore at all, period. But like, I'd be like throwing up 90 pounders when I was really strong. I'm doing incline presses for sets of four and five. I'm like, yeah. And then, trying not to drop the weights because you tell me to stop dropping the weights on the like so i'd always try to like set them on my knees and be all but here's the thing is one day i'm doing 60, 60 pounders right and i'm i'm being an idiot and i'm clicking them at the top and that wasn't what necessarily hurt it but my my shoulders were getting tired i could i could feel it i'm like i shouldn't be doing this and then i made the mistake just my nose and that small movement because my shoulders were so fatigued the weight wasn't in the right places no I will agree with you on that. You were being an idiot trying to scratch your nose with your arms. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was 60 pounds in your <laughs> I had an itch on my nose. All I did was go like this. Yeah, sure. That's, it, my shoulder rolls out, yeah. and it pulled all oh, the back. That's how crazy. I pulled my shoulder. I remember the, the weight. Yeah. Was, I couldn't even control the weight. It falls mm. the dumbbell, and I couldn't even lift my arm up. I, uh, yeah, I, knew, I, I knew I tore my shoulder. But like just the whole idea, yeah. if I would have just been smart about like the way I was lifting. So listen to Will. He knows what he's talking about. I've done it multiple times. I've, I've listened to him and I've not listened to him and I've uh, regretted not listening to him when it came down to it. So um, here's the deal. So, Will, you got all the experience, man. And to finish up the interview is like you got all this knowledge. You're talking about the experience you have, the clients you've helped, you know, and whatnot. But where do people like someone's like, hey, I want to go. I want to go get some knowledge. I want to go get some training from Will. What's this fitness garage? Where can they find you and, and talk to us about what you've got going on over there? Because this isn't right. This is the services that you offer and where you're at. So currently, um, the fitness garage is kind of my 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 baby. It's been a vision of mine for a long time to be able to to um, have my own uh, space and to be able to allow, especially during this time. So like when the pandemic hit, I was kind of subleasing from another trainer. I'd worked in corporate gyms, the large gyms for a long, uh, long time. I worked for uh, Gold's Gym slash Axiom uh, for most of my adult life. Um, and then the other Gold's Gym that became, a, it was a different franchise ownership there. Um, but going out on my own. So basically I've been, uh, been, uh, been self-employed and had my own business for the last almost four years. Um, 
but being having my own space, this is new. So like uh, being able to have a great uh, situation with uh, some investors and getting a, a situation set up where I have a place, a destination for my clients and for people that want to be able to get that gym experience without necessarily having to deal with uh, the anxiety or dealing with the, the crowds of the gym, especially anxiety, not just for obviously, you know, body shaming or not feeling comfortable in their own skin. But now we were more concerned than ever about our, our physical health and dealing with the pandemic. And so having that in controlled environment, I really feel like it's a great uh, space to be in. I love having the control over that. Um, it's myself and another trainer that um, works with me through there. Um, his name uh, is Colin Ciarlo. Um, but we basically have control of the, uh, of the environment, keep everything clean, wiped down in between sessions. Uh, every piece of equipment that gets utilized by my clients gets sanitized. Um, I have a plant-based um, bi uh, biologic that we use for, that cleans the, uh, the equipment and, the, and everything in there. So, but keeping it safe and keeping it um, as close to a gym environment as possible. I we decked out this uh, uh, space that we have. So it's essentially the garage portion of uh, the Inselstone building that's in Meridian off of Franklin. Um, it's near, right near Story Park. Um, so we, we utilize that portion of the building in Meridian there by appointment only. So people can't just show up and, and try to get in there. So we have to, you know, kind of uh, funnel people through for obvious reasons, small space. And plus, you know, we're, we're training people through there, but with fitness garage, it's not only just the physical location of the gym. Um, the other part of the pandemic uh, experience is kind of, it's been a blessing in disguise from the standpoint of uh, doing online coaching has been a big part of my business going forward. I really enjoy it. The people that have embraced it, my clients that were currently training with me, and then we had this transition to online coaching during the pandemic, really love it. Um, using, and I have people that have decked out their home for equipment and stuff like that, all the way down to people that just have like a couple rubber bands and maybe a, a stability ball or just body weight. And we, we can make any of that work. And it's fun to be able to teach people how to do that, even within, from the, you know, from the safety of their own home or the convenience of their own home and still get results. Um, but coming to that physical location, basically we have to set up an appointment with me. Um, I have a website in the works right now. It's not completely finished, but it's going to be released here within the next week or two. Um, so I'll have that as a destination as well. So I have, currently I have an Instagram, uh, uh, page and Shane, you can share that information there. I don't have that in front of me right now with my uh, uh, address and all that stuff, but having that in there, people can call me, uh, text me, email me um, to set up an appointment. We go through a, a complimentary uh, fitness assessment. We can either do that via Zoom or we can actually do it in person, preferably in person because we can actually do, we'll, we'll do uh, everything as far as like a postural analysis and risk assessment. Um, and that way I can design a routine based off those people's individual needs and uh, based on their goals. And so helping people come up with a, with a smart individualized goal, making it easy to follow plan that they can follow through with. Um, I have a fitness nutrition specialist also. So I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian, but I have worked closely with dietitians over the years. Um, I have constructed menu plans um, for the last 20 years with my clients. And so basically giving you something that's you know, I, saying it's easy to follow would be a, you know, kind of a half truth at that standpoint, because when people are trying to change a lifestyle like that, it can be a challenge. But that's why I try to bridge that gap, give you that accountability, that motivation. Um, but we set up your nutrition plan, get you a nice uh, routine that you can follow either at home or in the gym. Um, if you are still going to a gym, people that use me for destination training, I see, you know, there's people that come up to me multiples two, three times a week we can set up different, but there's different plans for every type of person. I have a lot of different options. So it's best to just find where that person's looking for, see what their availability is and decide what's the best pass for them. Thank you for posting that. So that's my Instagram. Um, I also am on Facebook. Um, it's at uh, the.fitness.garage.2020. Um, that's my uh, Facebook address as well. Um, but um, you can message me directly through there. Um, my email is uh, willelmer2231 uh, at gmail. Um, that's another way to get a hold of me. And it's willelmer, so that's my full name, just all lowercase, 
2231 at gmail. Does 2231 so, have any Cowboys reference to it? Yes, it does. What is the Funny you should ask that. So those numbers have a significance to me. So 22, obviously, is Emmett Smith, um, one of my favorite all-time Dallas Cowboys. And 31 at the time when I set that as my user was uh, for Roy Williams, who used to play uh, safety for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he still has a special spot in my heart because when he came into the league, he tore it up for those first couple of years until they figured out he couldn't cover uh, deep coverages. And I remember the specific game that actually exposed him. <laughs> but he was a great, all kidding aside, he was a great player, um, uh, awesome safety. And, um, you know, he, he was a cool player for me. So that's, that's the significance of 2231 for me. Easy for me to say. But uh, anyways, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I definitely am a Cowboys head. It's, so I try not, try not to hold that against me if you don't like the Cowboys, obviously. I always respect everybody that has a team. As long as, if they want to flip me crap, I'm totally fine with it. As long as they have a team that they like and they can, they can take it back. So I'm okay with that. But yeah, so anybody that wants to get involved, I'm, you know, like looking forward to that. And like I said, it's complimentary for that first consultation. Take you down. We'll let you check it out. See what you think of it. Um, we'll go through the assessment uh, process and then I can design that routine. Like I said, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, I try to close, uh, make that gap as uh, close that gap from point A to point B for you as simple as possible. I meet you where you're at. I'm a real person. Shane's known me like obviously his whole life. And he's seen me go through my own personal struggles, going through transformations, um, you know, I'm, I approach it from the standpoint of, you know, everybody, um, whether you've always been lean or always been, always struggle with weight, um, I'll meet you where you're at. I know what it's like to have a six pack. I know what it's like to be a hundred pounds overweight. I, uh, have been everywhere in between and I'm always usually in a state somewhere in the middle, but knowing that, um, that I can get you to where you want to be. I'm totally confident in that. I've had multiple people that have, uh, done well with we've had 12 week challenges over the years if people are familiar in the local community with like the gold's gym 12 week challenges and uh axiom fitness has had those as well and i've always had people that have done really well on those and um i take pride in that that they can go through that but it's not just about a 12 week thing it's about a lifestyle it's about a changing uh of your life and i've been a part of i've been a part of at least a dozen 100 plus pound loss clients over the years where people have lost that transformed that uh, that big of a transformation. And I take a lot of pride in that because those are the people that, you know, have gotten so far off the grid where they felt like they couldn't come back from it and just showing them, Hey, consistency is the key bit by bit. We can get there. And so no matter where you're at, you know, dealing with life stress, uh, kids stress, especially now when we're dealing with, you know, I was just talking to you before we started this, um, kind of like, Oh, here we go again. We got to do a hybrid schedule at school. And so a lot of parents right now are having to be teachers at home and still trying to, still trying to work a full-time job. So we still need that mental health and we still need that physical health. And so keeping that in mind, I make it so that, you know, if we have to do like training via zoom online coaching, it's something that you can follow and it's something that's you're going to see results with. And I have absolute confidence in the ability to get you there. So that's my passion in life. That's why I'm, I've created this place. And this is my, uh, this is like my vision going forward to help as many people as possible. Um, whether that be in person at the, at the actual uh, studio or online coaching, um, that sort of thing. So, um, check it out. What do you have to lose other than a few pounds? Right. Um, especially during, post quarantine, we're going into winter again. So people are kind of getting ready to rehibernate. So we want to try not to let that happen, lose some weight before the holidays hit. So we'll see if we can get that done. I dig it, man. And I can, uh, I'm just going to tell you guys this real quick. You know, I've, I've said it before when I had Bruce Buffer from the UFC on my show, I interviewed him back in February, March time for, I think it was March. And I said, you know, what are you doing during the quarantine? And Bruce said, well, I'm staying in the best shape that I possibly can because he's like, if, if I get sick, I want to be able to have the best immune system. I want my body to be in the best shape possible to potentially be able to kick. So that kind of like inspired right. me because back then I was 260 pounds. I was fluffy. I didn't feel good about myself. I was in pain. My back hurt. My knees hurt. I go play basketball. I sprained my ankle and I took me like a week and a half to recover because like these days things don't, when I'm heavy and I'm not healthy, things were bad. When he said that, it stuck with me. It was like, dude, I need to get myself in shape because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And if I so happen to get this illness or any illness for that matter, I would like my body to be in the best 
potential shape. Not saying that there's any guarantees anywhere that you go, but if you can put your body in a better position to fight things, it's important. So I started trying to take care of my health a little bit more the last, you know, seven, eight months. And that's the same for a lot of people. I would encourage people out there. You've heard me say it before, like Bruce Buffer's words really stuck with me. Like get yourselves in shape, get yourselves in a, in a position to be, be healthy, live a healthier lifestyle. That's what Will's here to do. Um, you have experts out there like Will who can, can get you that. And the cool thing is, like you just said, he can adjust. He'll meet you where you're at. You know, he'll, he'll do an analysis. He knows where you're at. And then you can adjust to your schedule. He understands that he's a parent himself. So the parents out there that are like, well, I don't have time. Well, guess what? He can find around and, and shift around. If you need to do online stuff, he can do that. That's the world we live in. It's a blessing, actually, of the, of the technology that's available for you. So you can actually have that that healthy lifestyle that you desire. So, again, I Will, I, I've had a great time talking with you. Um, we'll probably bring you on a couple more times because this yeah. is fun. We'll talk, I love we'll talk fitness and, and sports and all, all of that. So um, if you guys – I'm going to put it in the links in the descriptions of the show – uh, this is a live stream right now, but when we put it onto Apple Podcasts, there will be a link below. So make sure to check that out to go find him and follow him on all of his social platforms and get a hold of him. Uh, anything else you want to say about the Cowboys or anything else, Will, before we sign off? <laughs> Let's go Red Rifle. We'll see how Andy Dalton can uh, take us to the promised land here. I don't know how that's going to work out, but we'll see. But no, it's been a, it's been a, it's, I've really enjoyed Shane. It's been a, a great time to be able to sit and talk sports a little bit with you and, and talk a little bit about my passion and, but hopefully, you know, we can reach somebody out there that's looking for some help and, and go from there and, um, you know, hopefully maybe even comfort a few Cowboy fans out there that can that know our pain a little bit. So advice for the ones that revel in our pain. So there you go. So anyways, it's been it's been a real treat to be able to spend time with you and, and reminisce a little bit. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, for sure, man. I love you, Will. You're the man, dude. It's, I love it's, you too, man. It's awesome, dude. So everybody out there, make sure you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you tune in, subscribe, because we'll be coming at you every single Friday, as we've been doing for almost four years now, with a new episode, with a new interview, with an, another guest in the sports world, someone that has some sports background. And uh, hope you guys enjoy the interviews. Stay tuned for the next one. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.